Hey, I'm Tim. And I'm Drew. And this is the Hearts and Hands Podcast. In episode 17, we have a roundtable discussion with Jason Jasperson and Mike Weekman about the role of talent, skill, and practice when it comes to creative endeavors. Welcome to the first ever roundtable episode of the Hearts and Hands podcast. I'm your host, Drew Sonnenberg, joined as always by my co-host, Tim Babbler. Tim, how are you doing? Doing very well today. How about you, Drew? Great. We're very excited about this new format. We're calling it a roundtable. We're, we're still kind of figuring out exactly how to do it best, but we had a great discussion this week. But Tim, can you just talk a little bit about what, what some of our goals are with these roundtables? Yeah, so we generally have an interview format as on our podcast, as most of you are probably aware if you've listened to episodes before. But what we've decided to do every once in a while is in, insert these roundtable discussions where we get together with a few people um, joined on a group call. And then what we do is discuss a specific concept or topic that we have been uh, introduced to by one of our listeners. And we think that instead of necessarily just talking to one specific person, getting the input from a lot of people is good because at times people may have different ideas, none of which are necessarily wrong, but you don't always have to hear just from one person. Maybe you get to hear multiple perspectives and choose which one will work best for your situation or scenario. Yeah, and we're excited to do more of these in the future. So if you have ideas of things you want to hear kind of get discussed or thrown back and forth by multiple different viewpoints... We'd love to hear those from you. We, we certainly want to be talking about the things that you want to be listening to. So go ahead and email us at heartsandhandspodcast at gmail.com or reach out on any social media platform to Wells Creatives. We'd love to, to know what, what, what you guys are thinking about in your ministries and in your contexts. And we'd like to be able to provide resources to help you think through those things a little more deeply. Without any further ado, here is our first roundtable discussion. All right, we are here with the first ever roundtable episode of the podcast. Tonight we're talking about the relationships between skill and talent and practice and things like that. We are joined tonight by Jason Jasperson, who is a former high school arts teacher, currently working with Koine Worship Media and also a adjunct professor at Bethany Lutheran College. We also have Mike Weekman, who is the arts teacher at Wisconsin Lutheran High School. He is a phenomenal visual artist as well. So to kind of get the ball rolling, guys, we were curious, do you believe that any artistic medium can be learned by any person? Does it simply just take enough practice? And where this kind of came from is a webcomic that Jason posted on Facebook a few weeks ago. And there's two characters here. One says, how do you draw so well? And the person says, practice. And the first person says, no, it must be an innate gift from God. And the person says, no, it's practice. And, oh, it's, I'll never understand how people are so talented. It's such a mystery. And the person says, it's just practice. So do you believe that? Is it just practice or is there more to it? I'll jump in. Um, I posted that comic uh, a little flippantly, and the uh, the ensuing commentary or, or a string of comments was surprising to me. Uh, just that it it grew and and spawned so much discussion. I don't know if I even agree with uh, the comic anymore. I think maybe when I posted it, I kind of did, but now I've thought a little bit more about it. Not really an answer. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I often think 
of just like at beginning stages, right? So you look at this like masterful work of art and you say, can you create that? People are going to say, absolutely not. But if you have this big space and you're asking someone to paint part of it, hey, can you paint that shape and fill it in with a color? I would say everyone can say yes to that. So there's somewhere in between painting a shape and doing a masterful work. And how do you get to the masterful work? Well, practices some of that and time. And time comes with the uh, idea of wanting to do it and having the desire to. I don't change my own oil because I don't have the justification of the time for me. But I do artwork a lot because I love it and I want to spend my time doing it. So I think in order to practice it enough to be good at it, there has to be that inner desire and that passion for it. I, I think for me, the, the important thing, the reason I posted that comic was to kind of dispel some myth. I hear, sometimes I hear the same, well, let's say, let's say the same two myths about artists. There's a couple tropes out there. One is, well, you're an artist. You're, nobody, no artist is famous until they're dead. Or no artist is successful until they're dead. And uh, then the other one is like the exact opposite. Artists, well, you just throw canvas at paint and get paid $2 million. Or, I'm sorry, <laughs> I flipped that around. You throw paint at canvas. <laughs> maybe, maybe you throw canvas at paint. That's how they make the big bucks. Yeah. Well, that, but that's, you know, that's maybe a $2 million idea. It could be, (laughs) could be. So, you know, what I want to get at is that this is a vocation, just like anything else. And I I think there's a lot of uh, mental shortcuts out there or, or just mythology about what an artist is and what an artist does. When the reality is that it's, it's work. It's just, it's like anything else. It can be mastered, but it's not magic. Sure. Mike, you kind of mentioned that part of it, part of it is, is that passion that goes into it. But do you, do you think that there is some sort of limit or ceiling to what a person can reach? You said, you know, you can teach anybody to draw a circle and pick, color it in, but they can't necessarily do the whole Sistine Chapel. But do you think that there are only some people who can do the Sistine Chapel and other people have a lower ceiling than that? I think people think that about themselves very often. I have uh, 120, 130 students every semester come in, and probably about 50 to 70% of them think that about themselves, that my limit is very little because I'm not an artist. But those kids then, over the course of the class, over the course of following rules and being creative and my number one goal of getting them in the state of flow where they're just making stuff and reacting to the work and not necessarily what's going on around them or their ideas they had before they started making with peace. Then they make something they're proud of. And some of them don't, but through the process of doing it, I think they see a window into what that process could look like for them. So is there a limit? I'm not going to be one to set it for someone because I see it on a weekly basis, be broken down on an individual basis in my room? Well, you never know. I mean, you never know if you reach it. You, you can't ever say that I'm as good as I will ever be. 
for sure. I don't know. I, I kind of think that that it's just something that you chase, you don't achieve. So what then, in your estimation, accounts for the difference between a Da Vinci and a, a Drew Sonnenberg, who partially, again, due to lack of time or practice or, or really passion for painting, there there is a huge gap between the two of us. Is it just passion? Is it just time? Is Does talent or whatever you want to call that innate ability, does that is that something that exists? Is that something that makes a difference? What do you think? So that's that's a good question. First off, I, in high school, played the guitar in some bands. At one point, I even had a concert with my buddies. And I think we had five original songs, and we had only practiced like three times. And <laughs> it wasn't something that genetically I was as gifted as, as I was in visual arts. So there came a point in my life where I said, I shouldn't play music because my time playing music is time that I'm not spending working on my craft of being a visual artist. So at some point in your life, you shifted away from whether it was really young coloring and coloring books and you shifted your attention towards something else. Now, could you shift your attention back and increase your skills? Yes, but you also would have lost out on that many years of of honing a craft because your your attention is focused on something else. Now, why did I do that, right? And uh, you know, you can see God's hand in a lot of this in your life as you look back, but some of it's just what was more enjoyable for you at the time or for me at the time. I've I've got musical experience too and and it taught me that that is definitely not where I belong. <laughs> Every time that I've tried a musical instrument, it's it's just been made obvious that I'm not built for that. I can't I cannot physically understand how people can hit those notes at the right time. Like to put all your fingers in the right place one time, I can understand, but like in succession, in rhythm, it's just baffling to me mind-boggling it, it seems impossible what musicians do seems impossible to me and then they do it from memory that's that's uh, craziness i had a thought recently you know maybe maybe an analogy here is what kind of tree are you and i have uh you know i have thoughts that go back and forth about whether or not people change uh, this is this is kind of a big question. Are are people born a certain way and and they're always that way, or do people change their nature? And so recently, I was, I think I was in church uh, listening to uh, pastor talk about the fig tree in the sermon, and just uh, you know what kind of what kind of fruit comes from that tree? Well, it's always figs, but the tree can be nurtured pruned, cared for, or ignored, and just kind of allowed to, to exist on its own. So I'm starting to think that, you know, I think about my two kids. They're, they're different personalities. They've always been different personalities. I watch them as, as a parent, and they're, they're distinctively different people from birth. So they're, you know, they're different kinds of trees in a way. And so, you know, the job might be to just help help each person 
bear fruit, bear the kind of fruit that they're made for in the best way possible. I'm a big fan of uh, the Strength Finders series, the, the book and the tests and everything. Yeah. And I think that's what this is, what I'm kind of advocating here. You get, you get really good at what you're good at, kind of sense what you're built for, and and really get great at that stuff. So it's come up a couple times now that, like Jason, you mentioned, um, not that music uh, is just very difficult for you as far as performing or playing it yourself. Lots of times math comes up. I'm a former math teacher and I have plenty of students who just say, oh, well, I'm just not a math person or, you know, numbers just don't make sense to me, that sort of thing. So do you believe that there are are barriers to certain skills beyond just practice. And I'm not saying that like to be, you know, the next Da Vinci or to be really good at calculus or anything like that. But uh, even at a lower level, just learning some more basic skills, do you think that some people just have certain barriers or is it just a matter of, of practice and persistence? I, I think uh, what Mike said about relationships really plays into this. And so here's something to think about. A teacher in a field probably excelled in that field. So say an art teacher or a math teacher, you know, you, you get into that because you experience success with it. You like it. You do well. And, and so, you know, fast forward. And you're a teacher in a classroom. You got you got a room full of kids, and and you're in this field, fill in the blank, whatever the medium, whatever the field is. <clears throat> it's this thing that you love, and and it's really hard to understand when somebody else doesn't love it, or when they don't get it. And so I, I think sometimes these barriers come from uh, a mentor or an instructor who who has a hard time connecting with somebody who doesn't love it you know yeah so you know a music teacher tends to love music and if and and maybe it kind of they had a good experience with it they were nurtured and then you you know you're hitting somebody uh with all of this passion or maybe not even passion just an assumed love assume that everybody else gets it you find somebody who doesn't and I think it's it's just hard for both sides to to empathize. And I think another piece of this is that's important to remember is how much of a gift that it is to even have a discussion like this. That there can be visual arts, musical arts, people focused on it. That we're in a society that this is a possibility that I can be an art teacher and visual arts can be a thing, and we're not so focused on like food on the table that we can make things and and we can have a beautiful world around us that's designed in such a way by people who are strategically making things to be beautiful as well as function or that there can be artwork on the walls that is beyond just a printed copy of it i think there's there's just got to be such an appreciation for that and then paired with that it's it's a responsibility as artists, because you are given the opportunity to make the most of it in whatever creative field that is, because you get a chance to. 
You know, this is really a nature nurture discussion, isn't it? Yeah. We're, you know, we're kind of debating. <laughs> we're debating whether people are born good at things or maybe naturally predisposed. I think it gets really sticky when when you start thinking about this in terms of theology. You know, for for example, was was I always going to be an artist? Well, according to according to predestination, you know, that's. God knew this. God foreknew this from the beginning, and yet free will exists. And and so, did I have a choice? You know, mm-hmm. tricky stuff to talk about. In high school, I was not the greatest at putting images in such a way that they were visually beautiful, especially in my sketchbook. Like I'd have so many ideas, I just lay them down, and they weren't to the point where I was excited about them. I remember a student was like, she's a freshman, probably one of the best art students at the school right now with in, in regards to the ideas she has. But she's just like, I'm never happy with this. And like two weeks or a week later, I was reading in my Bible that I still have from high school. And I had like written in the side panel on that page, like, when will I make something I'm happy with? <laughs> so that exploration, and then I showed it to the student. It was this kind of cool moment, like, because it just takes a long time and through the failure of continually not succeeding, you can get better. And also it's tricky with visual arts because the definition of what great art will will look like is so varied by the person who you're talking to. Are we defining visual arts as the pedestal of visual arts as being able to draw something that looks like a photograph? Are we defining it as the ability to create something that's interesting and unique and shows craftsmanship and handiwork and the ability to make the person that's viewing it be in awe or intrigued by the thing you made? So there's a lot of different definitions. And I think with music, it's sometimes a little simpler, but maybe not really. But when I listen to to someone who has never played an instrument before versus someone who has a lot, there's a lot clearer picture of their ability level. Where with visual arts, sometimes people go backwards in regards to how the thing looks, and that's really confusing to people. And I think it's confusing to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's really slippery. Like, you know, this whole discussion, like, who's good? Or, you know, how do you know if if people can can become good or you know like it's the 20th century just kind of blew that all to bits picasso you know kind of said well you know it's art because i say it is or marcel duchamp you know putting a shovel on display and signing it everything got turned upside down yeah and i think to a certain degree you can say the same thing about music And especially in the 20th century, like you said, Jason, like, you know, 200 years ago, if someone would have heard the Ramones play the same three chords over and over and sing what they would have thought very poorly, no one would have said that's art. But, you know, now they're like in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and all that. So it's it really not to be too cliche, but, you know, beauty is in the eye of the beholder and all that. It, it gets very tricky to say what what is good and and what is yeah what is not i I always come back to the doctrine of vocation you know uh, in the end 
every person has to kind of deal with where they are in life. God gives you work. God gives you people, all kinds of opportunities around you. And, and you know, in that vocation, whether it be uh, as a student or as a nurse or as a grandparent uh, or any trade, any career, your responsibility is the same, and that is to, to do the best you can and through your vocation to love your neighbor and to love the Lord. And as Luther says, that doesn't mean that a cobbler has to put crosses on his shoes. It just means that you have a responsibility to, to kind of become the best that you can be. You know, to me, for, for anybody who's listening to this or, or thinking about, am I talented enough? Well, let's say not yet. <laughs> just keep on, keep on trying, keep on developing and, and growing and, and seeking that upper limit, trying to become what God made you, what God made possible in you. Find out what's possible. Two ideas that I've kind of had recently in regards to that idea of eating better in the visual arts is how as a as a culture in, in the wells and the creative ideas um, that go along with that is we do a great job of training people up in the musical arts. And whether that's choirs or in instruments, where we train them up and there's great programs and we then have them play in church basically for their life. You know, not everyone, but a lot of people then play or sing in church. And it's this wonderful relationship of training to uh, execution. Then when the visual arts comes along, I would love to see when I go into different churches, visual arts created by the members and people in the church who are engaged in the idea of creating stuff that would be regional. So as an artist, thinking of your visual arts as a regional gift that you're given, and you can then show that in a regional sense. So when people would come into my church, they would see my artwork that then would say, hey, this artist is worshiping here or part of this community. I think that's something that could be really cool. And I think it would help this discussion because there's just a lack of visual arts that we interact with and discuss. And I think it's something that will be fun to see grow, especially in the Wells communities. I think, I think fear of visual arts is a whole nother podcast. That is true. <laughs> yep. Graven images and such. Well, we want to thank you both for your time. Um, your insights were incredibly valuable. I know I learned a lot. So just thanks for coming on the podcast today. Nice being with you guys. Thanks so much. That wraps it up for the first ever Roundtable Hearts and Hands podcast episode. Thanks, as always, for joining us. You can check us out on patreon.com slash hearts and hands podcast. There you can find bonus content and show your support for the podcast to help keep making things like this happen in the future. Thanks for all your support. We'll see you next time.